Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And I'm special guest, Rachel. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Captain Marvel. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we talk about games and also movies. And Captain Marvel is the big... I almost kind of want to say it's like the biggest release that's come out in 2019. Um, even if there have been a bunch of other things that have come out so far... Uh, that being the newest entry in the Marvel movies, Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson. Um, and because of that, we wanted to bring on a special guest, my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, um, before we get to the spoiler warning, uh, let's give our, uh, short impressions, I guess. Uh, why don't you guys start? It's bad. <laughs> uh, I think I think when I walked out of the movie theater, what I said was it was the world's okayest movie. And I think at this point, I kind of stand by that statement. It wasn't, like, so bad that it was terrible. It was okay. Yeah, you know That's what? That's fair. It uh, is not the second coming of Suicide Squad. I will agree, <laughs> uh, certainly, along those kinds of lines. Um, but I will say that it misses the mark... In a number of very, I would say, crucial places. Um, and that really drove, that really, really drove its, its price down into kind of that disappointing territory, right? Some stuff works, some stuff doesn't, you know. Um. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. Um, I would call this film okay, mediocre maybe. Um the thing I like to say, which I don't know if it's particularly true, but it's funny, so I'll say it anyway, which is if Winter Soldier was uh, Marvel attempting to do a spy thriller, Captain Marvel is Marvel attempting to do a Lifetime original movie. Um, and so, uh, you know, I I feel like I'd recommend this the same way I recommended Alita, which is like, if you're a completionist, go see it. Um, I think this movie is worse than Alita, to be clear. Um, wow. But, Boy. Uh, yeah, no, I actually super agree with that. Um, but I don't think, I don't think, I think if you're like a casual Marvel fan, I think you can safely skip this one. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else you, you want to say before we, we, we hit the spoiler warning? Uh, I also don't like this movie, uh, but that is like a different sort of calculus. Uh, I, I like this movie worse than it is bad, even though I would kind of definitively say it is, you know... I, I probably think it is worse than the two of you because I think it is less than mediocre. Like it doesn't even nail. Like even even a movie um, that is a movie that plays it by the book and just kind of does. Like Aquaman is actually a lot like this, right? Like it it's very predictable and normal, but it has the character arc and it hits its beats and everything like that. And I feel like Captain Marvel misses the mark on some of those like really crucial pieces, and that ends up kind of cracking the foundation. And uh, and and crumbling it down into a little bit of sort of like, I don't know, like incoherence. But um, yeah, I so also just this movie is also very antithetical to my tastes in uh, in what I like to see in these kinds of superhero movies. So, so I think I'd, I'd agree with you um, on on that. It is it's got a lot of those problems. I just think that kind of like the normal Marvel production quality 
makes it like a thing that I can watch and not be too mad about watching. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think it was kind of. Uh, I think I honestly just kind of think it's on par with a lot of these lower level Marvel movies. I think part of the reason why I have a better, um, I have a better feeling towards this movie than uh, Buddy does is because I went into it with like the most rock bottom expectations possible because every trailer for this thing made it look like it was a CW show I was like what garbage production value is about to happen and then I was like okay it was just kind of a average below average Marvel movie yeah well okay we should probably talk about some of this stuff after after the spoiler break because I do want to start getting into the specifics all right all right so here, here's a spoiler warning guys uh, spoilers for Captain Marvel probably spoilers for any other movie in the MCU um, spoilers if you want to go see Captain Marvel before you hear our impressions or our, our detailed kind of analysis I guess go watch it now turn off this podcast and come back when you've watched it um, otherwise, uh, listen on. All right, so so uh, why, why don't we just jump into it then, buddy? What, what do you want to bring up first? Okay, so, well, to quickly just, I mean, I, so I want to summarize just in case people haven't seen the movie but are listening to this section. Captain Marvel tells the story of uh, Carol Danvers, who is an amnesiac special, uh, like, forces operative, I guess you would say, for the Kree Empire, right? The aliens that were alluded to in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, Ronan the Accuser kind of comes from there. Um, she eventually makes her way to Earth and finds out that things kind of, that like, the life that she has led as a member of the Kree um, aren't quite what they always seemed and ends up joining forces with uh, both Nick Fury on S.H.I.E.L.D. and some rogue Skrull agents in order to uh, fight back against the people who essentially wiped her memory to try and use her, uh, to try and, like, use her as a weapon. The whole thing is set in the 90s and in Los Angeles, which, to be fair, was actually kind of awesome because they <laughs> shot a whole bunch of it, like, right near our house. But then they did that thing that happens in movies all the time where they, like, teleport across the city and because I'm so, like well aware of the surroundings i'm no like no one oh, can that, get that, from el segundo to north hollywood that doesn't in 10 make any minutes sense. yeah like <laughs> <laughs> traffic in la he didn't hit traffic in Santa Monica. Know, right? what? <laughs> <laughs> nick fury was very able to keep up with that train <laughs> in a way that i don't think is realistic i mean i don't know maybe traffic was worse in the 90s also isn't this la right after like rodney king whatever um <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, so the so the, the the big spoiler thing that bugged me that I just wanted to bring up as like an opening salvo is how do you feel about the 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 scroll the scrolls in this movies being the good guys actually? Uh so I'm gonna say that I don't like I know that that's not correct. Um or you know, like comic book correct like and canon, you know, yeah. And they look evil. They look like goblins. Um, but it didn't bother me so much. But I'm not as well read as you are um, okay. in the in the comics. So it like I was like, okay, that's an interpretation, you know. Um, and it didn't. Yeah, seem I mean, to part me... of this comes from so Talos himself is not an an evil scroll. He's actually like an outcast um, of the scroll empire as like a as like a character. Um, 
in the comics uh, because I don't think he can shape change, and so they're just like you're fucking worthless. But the scrolls are like capital E evil in the comics, and so the idea that the Kree Scroll War is the scrolls are the good guys <laughs> was just like a galaxy brained take for me. I was just like, wow, I cannot believe we were going with this. Uh, I actually kind of kept expecting, like, the other half of it to be a little bit of a comeuppance. Like, she's getting duped by both sides, because that's kind of really what the Kree-Squirrel War always has been, right? Like, you know, both sides are kind of, like, wrong. Um, That is one thing that did bother me more, which is, um, I liked Ronin in the comic books better. This is a problem I have with Guardians 1 as well, uh, is I like... Ronan as like lawful stupid and you know how sometimes he's on the right side of that and sometimes he's on the wrong side of that and I've always thought that was interesting mm-hmm. um um but that's like I don't know I read a bunch of 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 the uh I guess it's Infinity War um comics around the time the Guardians one came out and I was disappointed by that but you know it's what it, it is what it is um yeah I mean I don't know basically any of the lore of the Captain Marvel universe or Ronan uh because the only Marvel comic lore I know is really, like, X-Men stuff. Um, and But Ronan is so useless in this movie. He's basically, like, the worst villain or hero or whatever he's supposed to be ever. Because he's just terrible. Like, we already know he dies. Like, he's... Yeah, that he's was like, such a he's like, weird... He's like, I'm gonna come back for her. No, you're not. You're gonna die in Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, like. not, and, like, not even just die. He loses a dance-off and dies. <laughs> so it's like a really humiliating death, too. So I don't really know where they were going yeah, with that. He just, and it's such a shame, because like, I love Lee Pace. He's one of my favorites. And I was like, oh, yeah, Lee Pace is gonna get another shot at being not the lamest possible person. <laughs> No, no, yeah. he just literally stands there as his ship blows up, and it's like, oh, and, the, and then it runs away. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> runs away, and then like does a, I'll be back when we know for a fact that he's not gonna be back. Yeah, there yeah. was some, there was some, uh, a couple of weird, west, weird missteps like that. Like, I totally thought that um, Talos or whatever his name is was gonna die when he got shot, um, and they kind of, I think, set it up like that, and then he didn't. And he was fine. And what? Why did they shoot him? In yeah, like, I, I have no idea about that either. I also felt like that was intrinsically super weird. Um, I kind of wonder if like they did have him die, and then Marvel executives were like, "Like, yeah, no, they, like, you guys, we can't be anything but as lighthearted I mean, as yeah, possible." I, like, I think that that has legitimately happened to some if of the Marvel movies. If someone dies, maybe they'll call us gritty and not like us yeah. anymore, like DC. Well, because like I felt like the same thing also happened in Civil War, and I just kind of feel like I feel like they like did a they screened a cut from the movie, and everybody got into like the focus room after and they were like war machine dies or like in this case it would be like talos dies no and so they're like well the talos can't die anymore but it just kind of makes like the stakes of the film feel very very hollow um which i'm not a huge fan of like i this movie i think had a very big stakes problem in the typical way marvel movies have a stakes problem where the hero is too competent for their own good um like for instance 
I honestly Captain... think that this is it's worse in this movie than it is in most Marvel movies. Like no, I've... so the, the interesting thing is is that this this was what a lot of Phase One movies looked like, right? Iron Man looks like this. Captain Captain America One looks like this. Thor, not so much. Actually, he kind of gets like a real comeuppance and loses his powers and stuff like that. Um, but then I feel like they got better at it in Phase Two and Three. Like Doctor Strange and Black Panther both, I think have have a much better relationship with these kinds of like stakes, right? Um, and they're like the other, you know, they are the other uh, origin movies that Captain Marvel is kind of going up against. But Captain Marvel One feels a lot like Iron Man or a lot like captain america where she is just extremely competent from the word go and so i never feel you know what i mean like they make it they make this huge point of like oh when she gets d- knocked down she gets back up again she, they're never gonna keep her down <laughs> <laughs> i'm honestly but, surprised they didn't just use yeah give, give yeah, it up that. until this movie was 90s nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> Did they not I use know. that song? Chumba was Tub Thumper, right? Actually, t- so I want to be very clear about this. Uh, Tub Thumper came out in 1997, and this movie is set somewhere between 1995, <laughs> 1994, and 1995. And I actually have some bones to pick because I, because whatever. That's this is it's Tub Thumping, bullshit. buddy. Yeah. I, um. Anyway. Um. But like in the in the context of the movie. She never does the thing that her character arc is built around, which is this idea that, like, you know, she needs to learn to pick herself back up on, you know, put her put herself back on her two feet or whatever. But, like, she never gets knocked down in the, in the plot of the movie. We only see it as part of this, like, vague flashback montage. And even in then, the defining characteristic is that she just keeps getting back up again. So she doesn't even really have an arc because it's not like she loses this ability. She just kind of is this, and that's supposed to be meaningful. And I was just like, this is the big, climactic, dramatic moment of the film. And it is so hollow and flat because there is no, there's no change. Do you know what I mean? What yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I honestly think that um, I, I'm, I'm verging onto like that she's, she's a, you know, the, the big Mary Sue, right? Like the big insult. Um, I, yeah. I think she might qualify because um, essentially her change is is she takes off her limiters, right? Like, and like it's not even like it's, I don't know. I feel like that was poorly handled too, right? Like, yeah, and it's because it's not like we get a scene where like you know she she accepts the limiters or something like that, or the limiter powers off and she's like, oh no, what what will happen with that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's never any tension or drama surrounding the limiter because it is just kind of alluded to in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I feel and, like this like, is something ignored that, for most yeah. of the movie, right? Like under her hair, so that they don't have to like apply a prosthetic there or anything, <laughs> right? Like just so you could forget it. Um, mm. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt helmet. you. Yeah, uh, yeah. The other thing that really drove me nuts about the she gets back up again is that was also like the core dramatic moment in Spider Verse, where it was done a million times better. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if anything, it's these two movies coming out kind of back-to-back that maybe puts that in such stark relief. Yeah. I also think, you know, I mean, so I I don't want to say that, like, you need to have a character arc in order to be, like, a successful movie, right? Um, 
you know, like I've been watching plenty, you know, I, I just watched a movie that I'll talk about in the back half, maybe, um, that is entirely an arcless character. But like when you, when you have a movie that is about a character with a no arc, it's called a flat arc, right? It is about them changing the people around them. And so they need to be, you know, they need to be, um, kind of surrounded with naysayers who keep trying to tell them no you can't you know, like you can't do this and they keep persevering in the face of that but like it's not even like that was what they were going for it seems very clear to me that what they were going for was this big moment where she gets back up again after you know after like fighting with kind of young rog or whatever um but because of because it just had no setup, that payoff was entirely lacking. I mean, I think part of it is like it. I don't know that that was necessarily what they were going for. I feel like maybe they were going for everything. They were just like, let's just throw it all. She's she's always strong, yeah. but also she has an arc. She gets powerful, but also she's being held down by the patriarchy. But we're never actually going to actually touch that at all. She actually lives in like a society where women can be badasses and fight but but it's we're gonna lightly allude to it in the backstory that it's the patriarchy well, so I, and you know what some, like, sexism yeah, right, right. Like, like, like hey big uh, smile for me <laughs> i'm gonna steal yeah. his motorcycle i know well yeah that that part but like you know i actually thought that some of that stuff was basically fine like i actually kind of like the idea that at the very end of the movie yon rog is essentially like mansplaining her powers to her or whatever and she just kind of and that that moment of i don't have to prove myself to you that is cool in the microsecond that it happens except except it's except then you kind of think about the wider context and, and you're how just like, oh, at that no point in the movie did, did was she acting like she had to prove herself to yeah. Him? yeah yeah exactly that's like, like this that is the thing problem. that kills me about like, this movie right and I, I feel like if they had actually kind of like gone harder on on that stuff, I would have been happier with it. Like in a, in a certain sense, that's kind of what I think Black Panther did. Like Black Panther took the leap, right, and it went there in terms of not in terms of sex, but obviously in terms of race, right. And and I think that that really paid off. But in a certain sense, in this movie, because they were kind of, you know, like because they were kind of a little bit squeamish about it, and they just like. I, we don't want to get we don't want to get right there it's not like fury is sexist with her which would make a certain amount of sense right a soldier coming up in the 60s and 70s or whatever going to go you know like enlisting in vietnam i could see a legitimate arc for a guy like that where he's kind of you know not holding carol to the best standard or whatever and kind of needs to come around to her competence i actually think that would have saved a lot of this because it would have given him the arc instead of her you know like all, all yeah, this I stuff I but that. i feel like they were just kind of they were just too nervous about everything well, and we the, that kind Nick of pussy footing. sexist because then he would be a bad person yeah and yeah can't have and people not like, like Nick fury yeah i mean speak, speaking of nick fury i think this movie had a couple of like uh, solo moments, which are things that were explained that one either didn't need to be explained, like where the name of the Avengers Initiative came from, or oh my god, two explained <laughs> stupidly, like how Nick Fury lost his eye. Um, like yeah, so the idea that that is funny was just like such a groaner joke to me you know what i mean i felt yeah. like it was somebody sitting in like the you know like sitting in the in the executive room or whatever what if 
Nick Fury gets his eye scratched out by the cat and just like one person but like the biggest and like fattest and like the senior executive started like <laughs> slapping his knee and guffawing like oh, 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 oh. and everybody's looking at this guy like oh fuck we're gonna have to put this in the movie now and they do they put it in the fucking movie because one dude thought it was funny in a board movie nobody laughed in my whole theater at like at, well actually nobody really laughed at like any of the jokes it yeah. felt like um Wow. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I didn't really think about it before, but that, I mean, yeah. we laughed at one point, but it was not a point. I laughed I think at, it was I at, laughed the, at, at the, the Avengers movie. Initiative. I think we both started laughing. Yeah, that, you, like, know what that, you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of the end of Logan when she it's turns the, the, the she turns the cross at his grave yeah, into yeah. the X. Oh God, yeah, that, that is what that moment felt like. <laughs> so, I think it was like it was like when you take into perspective the original Avengers movie where he's like, they needed something to avenge. Like, have you been keeping that in your pocket since the nineties then Nick Fury? Have you like, (laughs) have you been working on that line for like a decade? What? Yeah. Uh, I don't, so my, my big moment of like inappropriate laughter was like, when they sit, when when she sits down at the table with uh, with Rambo or whatever that character's name was, and Rambo says to her, uh, you know, the the hardest part was losing my friend or whatever. I just like I could like I, I was trying to stifle laughter because you know the the audience was like dead silent and like vaguely moved by this. They're just like this is like the most the cheesiest most f- fucking predictable like dumb thing. I don't know, probably because I wasn't part so- of the movie. That, that, so that is actually interesting because I was really sold for that. I felt like a lot of the supporting characters, um, like Sam Jackson, fuck her, or whoever, you know, like whatever actress she is, and Ben Mendelsohn all sold me. Um, I, don't, I was not sold by Brie Larson, and I was not really sold on Carol Danvers, but I'm kind of having a tough time figuring out if that is because, like, the screenwriting is poor and she didn't have the arc. Yeah, because and... I kind of feel like it's hard to act well when your direction seems to be you're really confused and you don't know how you feel for the entire movie yeah like, like that's a you don't know if you have emotional connections because you have amnesia yeah, yeah so, so like to be clear i didn't think that the, the character was portrayed poorly i just thought that particular moment was super mm. fucking trite um, and it rang hollow to me because, like, it, it just it just felt like the most movie speech that I have heard in a while. Right. <laughs> My big problem with, like, Rambo and stuff was that, like, I couldn't help but feel a little like, uh, like, Carol Danvers is, like, so emotionally tortured this whole movie. And it's like, okay, but, like, I feel like maybe Rambo's had a harder time, you know? With all the prejudice, both being a black woman, you know, and she couldn't be a part of the Air Force. Like, you went off and joined the fucking space cadets and got to, like, be the big fucking hero. But she never seemed to get her dreams. She kind of had to move to a farm to raise her child. I mean, child. she didn't get to like, dogfight with the one creepy. She didn't get to dogfight. Which the was Grand the other Canyon, thing where I was, I like, was, I was kind of like... What happened to all of Carol Danvers' flying skills? Like, is is she supposed to be the... 
Like, they were both pilots, but that's never revisited. She just shoots lasers out of her hand. Yeah, see, and part of this that's tough for me is that, like, typically I can always backfill information from the comics. Is that I, so, um, so a hard part for me is that I typically backfill some of this information with stuff from the comics, but I don't actually know that much about Captain Marvel. Like, for a long time, she was Ms. Marvel, and she was kind of like a headliner, but she was really just like... Uh, she was an Avenger, and she was, like, one of the first kind of, like, female Avengers that was really kind of standing on her own two feet. And she had a story, but, like, it wasn't super popular. And then kind of very recently, that's when she took on the definitive name Captain Marvel, right? Like, even until, like, 2006, 7, 8, uh, she, was all, she was still Ms. Marvel with the kind of the black suit and the red sash, if you've ever seen that. Um, which isn't to say that, like, she's a bad character or anything, but she doesn't have the same kind of, like you know, uh, foundation that some of these other, you know, solo outing heroes have. Like, Doctor Strange is not a person that has that has held many series on his own, um, but he kind of has held more of a solo experience than Captain Marvel has. She's kind of really born out of the Avengers comics, and so all of this stuff from her backstory, I kind of don't have a barometer for it in the same sort of way. She's Philavel, or is that a different character? Uh, boy, I don't know. Because <laughs> she showed up... At, so Philavel is a character um, that inherits the Marvel title, I believe, um, from Marvel in that Infinity War comic that I read. That might yeah. be the one where she's a lesbian with Moon Dragon. It's been a while, so I might be... Yeah, like, for a long time, Captain Marvel's biggest story was that her powers got stolen by Rogue. Right, which is why in the X-Men cartoon in the 90s, Rogue was super strong and could fly because she had stolen Captain Marvel's power. And that's it, you know what I mean? Um, the other thing, the, this is kind of a, mar, a minor uh, quibble I have with this movie. She, how, how does she end up with the Captain Marvel name? It's never, she's just like, I really respected Marvel, but she never yeah, actually I, She doesn't the ever name. actually like, officially Is she going to show up in the Avengers and be like, yeah, I'm Captain Marvel, I, I guess, yeah, uh, even though that's not how it's pronounced. I'm Captain Marvel. It's two words. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah, I have to be honest, that dishwashing scene might have been the best scene in the movie, just because I think that the, the plotless, kind of characterless filler dialogue work between Brie Larson and Sam Jackson was, like, good. And I almost sort of wish that, like, Marvel cared about the other stuff, you know? This is the same problem. That I, I described this when we had our, uh, our Force Awakens podcast. One of my big problems with movies like The Force Awakens and now with something like Captain Marvel uh, is the plot robot problem, where they are just robots mechanically moving through the plot, un, you know, kind of unmotivated. Um... And they have these suits on, like a like a coat of paint that is just kind of like likable and snarky, and she tells it like it is, you know, and relatable, right? And they are so focused on kind of like being relatable that like it just comes off as so hollow. For instance, hypothetically speaking, she is driven by this like need for identity, right? She wants to understand more about herself and where she came from and all of that stuff. But that just like never worked or came across for me in the movie because like I feel like any moment that they had where that was well set up or that was um 
kind of constructed for her character, she would kind of just bulldoze through it like a wrecking ball with this kind of hip relatable, you know, dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the only like sort of like like there's the whole scene where she's looking through the photographs or whatever, and I think that that was the only scene that really like really tried to touch on that well, so, in like, a real it, but way. But then so it, it touches the, on that. But then the movie like immediately fucking moves on. Yeah, like. and and like it it is not when she shows the picture to Fury in the airplane, right? This is not like. It's, it's like it's a tone problem, really. It's not a somber moment where she is investing this vulnerability that she doesn't know who she is with this person that she just met, right? Because they keep undercutting it with like, oh, jokey jokes, you know. And maybe this is just like a uh-huh, Marvel. You humor don't know problem. who you are. I know, right? Like, it, maybe this is just like a Marvel humor problem uh, because there were lots of Marvel humor problems in this movie, like the big fight scene in the space station with the Kree, where they stop the fight dead. So that they can, like, banter with one another. I was just like, oh, God, shoot me. This is the worst. Not to mention that all the action in this movie, except for the very CGI parts, was bad. Um, But, like, yes, stopping your action dead so that your characters can be like, is this why we never hung out? Oh, kill me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I, I feel like maybe a a big part of this is, is like you were saying, that, like, the, the... like, I usually do not have the same bathos problems you do um, that this with, with, uh, that you do typically. But like, I, I guess I just felt like the jokes mostly weren't funny. Um, and yeah, not- I mean, I it, it reminds me a lot. I mean, and this sucks, and this is painful for me to say. It reminds me a lot of Justice League, where the, I see what they were going for, but because the jokes weren't funny, they couldn't carry it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe if the jokes were good, I would be okay with this, but the jokes were never good, so it sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of parts that, that did work for me, and they were all parts that were outside of the context of Captain Marvel. Like, all of the things where, like, Goose is a monster alien or whatever, that was hilarious. <laughs> That's just because you love kitty cats. That's true. You got me. You just related so hard to Nick Fury. <laughs> I did. that cat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. Like, I... Also... I, Go on, sorry. So, is the Tesseract a plot hole? This has just occurred to me. Where does the Tesseract come from? In, uh, Red Skull. In uh, well, so in the present, do they just have it? Uh, well, it goes. Uh, so the, so, what, what's his name? Stark. Stark's dad. Um, I can't remember his first name. The Stark dad has it. The last time we see it, and. Obviously, it, like it is not too hard of a leap to figure out that it got from Stark to um, Marvel, um, and now the Tesseract is in the Kitty, but she it barfs it up in the post credit scene, right? Yeah. Um, and so at that point, it's uh, I, uh, Loki takes it from them in Avengers One, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 This doesn't make sense. Now I'm looking at the wiki, and it explains now because they they got the Tesseract from. The ocean at some point or whatever. No, yeah, this in, doesn't in, make much uh, sense because it says after an incident in New Mexico, this is the Thor thing, in which Thor defeated the Destroyer, humanity finally realized they were not alone in the universe. What? They were al- aside from that. Alien aside from invasion, that alien invasion in the nineties, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, is but that is I don't know. I guess it's just not widely known, right? Like all this happens out in the desert. Yeah. Um, and you know, none of the the attack never works. So it's not like if it's humanity at large. I don't know. I, that doesn't feel like too big of a retcon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Know. The biggest nitpicky plot hole that bothered me is that why why were they above Earth when when they jettisoned? Like they found out that they were supposed to be at Earth from her brain, but they already happened to be circling above it when they. Uh... Oh, yeah. You're yeah. right. I guess there's just a jump point that right above Earth because which I don't know how that shit fucking works. Yeah. Cuz also like, when Ronan shows up, he just shows up right in front of Earth. And it's yeah. just like Yeah, that, I mean that's something that gets that got kind of established in Guardians 1 and then Wait, no, hammered in in Ragnarok sense. and Guardians 2. That doesn't make sense cuz they cuz specifically when what's his face? The dude with the bad contacts uh Jan Rog Jan Rog uh when he's like okay we're coming Vers the dumbest name ever we're coming but the nearest jump point is like 24 hours away but then then Ronan just Ronan shows up Ronan just jumps right at earth so the nearest jump point is not um, so maybe Ronan was just waiting at a jump point, and yeah, they yeah. had to get. Yeah. So yeah, well, no, so, isn't that isn't the wall thing the jump points? So okay, my so. my my understanding, uh, at least from what I thought, was that they had to fly to a jump point to jump to Earth. Like the twenty two hours was getting to a point they could jump to the Earth jump point, which is why it took them twenty two hours. And Ronan oh. was already like, "I'm ready to carp bomb you." So maybe he was just waiting there, being like, "Oh You're boy," just always chilling. Waiting yeah. to bomb some people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's one of those things that's, like, unexplained enough that I guess I like I can hand wave it and not feel I too bad about it. I guess my problem is that this movie in general is so internally inconsistent with the shit that it's doing. Just even, like, on minor things. Like, her helmet drove me nuts. Is it so she can breathe in space? Because sometimes it's on. Yeah, but then at the very end, off, she was completely and fine. And she's just not got it on. And is it because is it she unlocked her powers? No, because then there was the part in the beginning of the movie where she got sucked out in space. And she took, like, three minutes to put her fucking helmet on. Yeah, but she didn't have the, uh, the she had the limiter on in the, uh. In, when, sure, but that's yeah, that's what I'm saying is that she still waited to like it's space, guys. It's space. You should probably put your helmet on. <laughs> that, that's, I, I, so one, it might. Hmm, I don't remember the science around it, but I, there's something in my mind that's saying that maybe it's not real. Like you know, regardless of whether or not it's actually that bad, you should probably address it. But I feel like in other Marvel movies, they've also done this. Yeah. Uh, where it's like not so. Where, where like they, they you survive in space I mean, for like a couple seconds and then. And the thing well, is, like so if you want to in both Guardians movies, if you right, want to tell right. me that like the helmet is just an aesthetic choice, then like I like it was never a good aesthetic choice. Yeah, I don't. Wait, you, you I, don't I mean, like I like Mohawks? her suit. Sorry, sorry, I love her. mohawks. I have a mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, but it was just like it was never done purposefully. Like I don't mind if something is done inconsistent with the lore if it seems like there is a purpose to it either like aesthetically or for the story or something but it just kind of seemed like 
Sometimes she has a helmet, I guess. I just think she we looks ran way out better of time. without the helmet. <laughs> this, is not, this is not like, this is not like, you know, this is not a Batman case where, like, the cowl makes, like, the hero's aesthetic, right? You need to see the bat cowl in order for it to be Batman. Like, I feel like her suit is good and strong, and I like the colors, and I think it's fine. Uh, don't put the helmet on, because it looks stupid. It feels like it feels like they got halfway through making the movie and were just like, you know what, let's not do the helmet. Let's not do that CGI. And they were like, but we already did it in these scenes. They were like, oh, okay, keep it in for those then. That's what the helmet felt like to me. I also, my other my other minor costume quibble is that Ronan doesn't have the black marks on oh, his face Oh, he looks so anymore. much better with that war paint. Why and, the fuck did they And I'm just kind of like, paint? Hollywood, stop just painting actors blue. It's not working. Why is everyone just blue now? <laughs> I, I wonder. What I should the hell- tweet that. <laughs> uh, I, I should I, just I, Photoshop the Will Smith, the Will Will Smith, Smith genie, genie face <laughs> on top of Ronan's <laughs> face. Ronan's body. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if the helmet thing was like uh, Brie Larson wanted her face out like this this is not like a, a dig at her like this oh, is a yeah, thing yeah. that Maybe happens it's a stunt right? thing. double yeah. thing too oh, oh that, yeah. that could make sense i mean a lot of the time they just make cgi this has been kind of standard in a lot of superhero movies since man of steel where they just like make cgi doubles of the characters like you can actually you can see in some spots in man of steel where it's like this is the cgi Va- zod where fighting like, cgi that's not ben affleck's butt yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know you know the difference, buddy. And so buddy. I, I almost sort of wonder if Captain Marvel in, uh, it, like, in space or whatever is, like, you like, they need the helmet in order to make Captain, like, CGI Captain Marvel, CGI Captain yeah, Marvel. So I mean, nice. the de-aging that they did on Nick Fury was really good, and that was CGI, so. Yeah, no, I, I normally, that stuff normally bothers me, and it, it looked fine on him. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it has definitely bothered me in the past. It bothered me in Civil War. It bothered me in Ant-Man, but uh, in this one, ugh. Boy, that was a choice. Maybe it's just because Sam Jackson is fucking timeless, even though he's like <laughs> seventy. Uh, yeah, but, may, or or maybe they had enough like material from his earlier acting career to kind of like graft him onto himself. Better. Yeah, yeah, deep fakes. Yeah. Um. Uh. So k- kind of. Uh. In that vein. Um. Uh. The. Uh, like just the, the, some little things, like like the the kid. Be, first of all, I think the kid might be Riri Williams. It's like not by that name, but she might be Ironheart at some point. I could see that happening. Oh um, oh oh oh, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe that was. I something. thought the kid was because, fine I because, because the kid she was says yeah, something good like, overall. "Oh, maybe she'll build the next." Yeah, that, 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 that's what put the. And yeah, so yeah. I was like, okay, so she's like, you know. Yeah, she, like that. That's what put the Ironheart thing in my head. Yeah. Um, Although, like, her rubbing Carol Danvers' forearm, like, to change the colors, just like, <laughs> like, you know, maybe this is me being too in the weeds, but it's like, this, this, this is not how, an, like, an interface works. Like, like yeah, this makes the, well, sense to no one who's been playing is. Anthem, right, where the interface is not super great and understand how hard it is to make, like, things change colors that her I just, think like, if they had just, like, had an RBG circle on there yeah. at least, like, I would have understood. But she was just kind of, like, vaguely touching the arm. The thing that really bothered me about it, though, was because I was like, I could accept that. But the fact that, like, they don't even let the final colors actually be the little girl's decision 
decision. It's Carol Danvers being like, okay, but what if we just used Air Force colors? What though? if we just looked at your shirt arbitrarily? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I mean, but like you could have even yeah, that had her so look better. at her own yeah. shirt and be like, these colors would be great. Right? Honestly, I think the best way they could have done this is like uh, if for some reason the girl had like drawn a picture or something like in crayons i think that would have been cute and then carol's no, like you know what you know what this is you know this is this is like this is like the tiger mom's thing you know what i mean where it's like carol like brings brings her over and she's like hey pick some new colors for me and then she's like fucking around with it she's like you're taking too long these colors are all bad i'm choosing the colors now you know what i mean like it is now that you mention it that does Make no sense. It she calls her over to make yeah. the decision and then completely. I kind of like, wondered Ugh. because I don't know Captain Marvel lore. I was like, are all of these suits that she's choosing like past iterations? Yeah, so the white and green one and is a past iteration. And if that is the case, then are you just shitting all over the past designs of Captain Marvel? Because they're like definitely not that one. <laughs> I was a little like, is that an actual design for her though? Because that's super rude to whatever artist came up with that then. Yeah, I mean that kind of stuff typically bothers me in these movies. It's like uh, it's like the this is this is like the what you know what did you expect yellow spandex moment of the movie yeah. where like the movie has to kind of like you know shit on comic book fans yeah for being also, fans. like self flagellate also another itself. thing that kind of bothered me about that scene was that like this is set in the 90s you really think a little girl <laughs> in the 90s isn't immediately gonna make her look like some lisa frank coloring book oh like, or, or, like the one that they said definitely <laughs> no on right like that was like, you're like that was the most 90s design yeah. hair <laughs> yeah Absolutely. yeah it very much was yeah. that's true <laughs> like, like those I, paper... I just want Captain Marvel to look like a goddamn Dixie cup, okay? Yeah, yeah I know. Like... That's what you were thinking. The Dixie cup, like, side. The, it's such an iconic yeah. look, you guys. Uh, I mean, the 90s nostalgia in the movie, I thought, was basically fine. You know, like, yeah. the stuff with Blockbuster. You know, mm-hmm. she picks up the right stuff. She's an Air Force pilot. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, fine. Whatever. I get that, I guess. Um... Uh, you know, and the the music choice is very much it. Like, you know, oh, you you know, like the nine inch nail shirt with like the flannel, right? Like it it it, it worked well enough. What was the what was the, the uh, there were two, maybe three bad needle drops that I thought were not great. The first one was in the fight scene in the super in the in the station at the end, which I thought was not very good. Um, and I can't remember what song that was. Oh, that song was I'm Just a Girl by No Doubt. Um, and then there was the Nirvana song when she's talking to the Supreme Intelligence in just the absolute most dumb scene. What? That was so stupid, that whole scene. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I wasn't sold on the Supreme Intelligence bit at all. Yeah, like, I just, I just no, thought yeah, it was like, was I. Um, you know kind of transparently like well we need to use this actor for more than like two scenes uh so we'll we'll make her be the one that can be anything Uh, yeah i think it was supposed to be like this is where she really gets you know this is where she loses and she gets 
Yeah. She gets beat up by the bad guys and captured, and now she's going to get reprogrammed by the Supreme Intelligence. But just, like, none of that stuff worked yeah, in I the moment really because f- they didn't set up any of the tension yeah, correctly. Yeah, I never really felt like she was being reprogrammed. Like, the, the Supreme Intelligence was just kind of being mean to her. Yeah, not to mention that all of the all of the Kree were there with guns pointed at her, and they're watching her powers, like, flare up, and none of them ever makes the decision, like, ah, you know, this has gone too far, and just, like, shoots her in the back of the head. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I, it's, it's, you know, I guess we can interpolate, but it's also never established, like, what the point was. Like, yeah, yeah, that's you know, what I mean about just the tension. Her up so that the Supreme Intelligence could, like, kill her, her instead yeah. of, like, <laughs> her. Like, you know, I guess the Supreme Intelligence was just bored, <laughs> wanted, wanted yeah, to fuck I, with Carol. Yeah. The other thing that kind of bothered me about the Supreme Intelligence was, A of all, Immediately when you're like, our whole society is ruled over by this weird AI thing that can, like, program you. I was like, okay, so the Kree are evil? Like, clearly? Like, that that sounds pretty dystopian, you guys. Well, yeah, um, so that's the and point then, of the Kree scroll board. Yeah. They are both evil. And right? so when they were like, well, the Kree aren't that, aren't all that good, I was like, yes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I'm, the other thing was, like, th- she goes... Sorry, I would say, like, that trope can be played either way, right? Like, yeah. you can play the utopian AI, you know, luxurious gay-space communism or whatever, but... I don't, yes. It was just kind of the language they used. I forget what word he used on the train or whatever in the beginning where he's like, you need to be, I don't know, reprogrammed or something. Or, yeah. I was yeah. just like, that's not... You don't say that about nice, friendly AIs. Yeah, yeah and that's the thing, and, like, that... This is part of what kills the the scrolls thing was just like so uh, it's kind of like my it's like my version of Batman doesn't kill people or whatever or right? Superman's like, a Boy Scout yeah yeah it's like it's that it's that thing where it's just like the the scrolls are bad they are bad guys and so taking the scrolls out of the Kree scroll war and I almost sort of felt like the doubling down of the prisoners at the end was like specifically there to say fuck you to me personally right like because i was kind of thinking i was like look the, like the scrolls are very deceptive people obviously like shape changing or whatever so it's like maybe this is like a triple cross right and so ben mendelson is like exploiting her identity issues j- just to get the tesseract and that's the and because this is always the point of the Kree scroll war they are two massive evil empires that are constantly warring with one another and earth is like caught in the middle right and that and so carol has to do that thing where she's with the kree then she defects to the scrolls then the scrolls are also wrong and she kind of does the thing where you know what i have to defend humanity yeah i have to defend humanity stay the fuck off planet earth or whatever um and so and 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 that's when i was like okay this is actually a really neat place to go because this is where this is like the unfolding plot that I that I was seeing. I was like, okay, so what she's going to do is she is going to trade her life for the Tesseract, right? The Kree are going to have the Tesseract or whatever. Um, and they are going to be like we like we have it and we can put an end to the you know, like we can put an end to the scrolls and we can put an end to the to the war or whatever. Um and Captain Marvel is going to go, No, I will re enlist and I'll fight with you again under protest as long as you leave earth alone and that's why she's gone right that's why she's gone for all of the avengers however many like interceding years 
um, and the Tesseract gets left on Earth. It's like they they choose her as the soldier to help them win this, you know, Skrull War fight or whatever, rather than like rather than like the Tesseract. And so I was like, okay, like that's a pretty fine place for this to go. And then it just was like, no, the Skrulls are absolutely true that they are refugees poor defenseless refugees getting annihilated by the Korean a giant genocide. The other thing like, that kind of bothered wow. me about this, the them just being like this small pocket of refugees scattered across the galaxy that the Kree just want to fuck on. It's like, why do the Kree want to fuck on them so particularly? Like, if the whole thing is the Kree is like this totalitarian empire that's like spreading its meaty claws across the galaxy, then if they've got a jump point right over Earth, why haven't they taken over Earth? Yeah. Like, at all. They ha- they haven't even tried. Like, when they went to bomb Earth, it was just to get rid of some scrolls. Like, yeah, and I also just feel like it kind of weirdly... Like, they, I feel like they could have gotten to the same end point where, like, there is a scroll empire or whatever, but Talos... Because this is what, you know, like, this is what happens in the comics. Talos is not a part of the empire. He gets kind of, like, cast out or whatever. And they could have just played that straight and just been like, you know, I'm not I'm not a scroll soldier. I'm a refugee. The scrolls don't care about us because of whatever, you know, like, whatever kind of reason. So I'm just here to rescue my family or whatever. Um, and they could have just, like, made that work so that you still have... Because, like, now, how are you ever going to do anything with the Skrulls ever again? You know, you can't do Secret Invasion, which is a huge storyline, a very good storyline, right? You can't do anything with, like, Super Skrull or, um, you know, the when they get the rights back from the Fantastic Four and stuff like that. I don't know. That's just... That that's I don't, that's just me though. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure if they want to, they can be like, and in the 20 interceding years, they became dickheads, um, and, and <laughs> do it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I also kind of feel like, ultimately, like, the plot doesn't even make sense, like at that level, right? Like, so they give the scrolls the 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 faster than light engine, and then. What they go find a homeworld and the this the the Kree just leave them alone. They leave Earth alone. It's like it took them twenty years to consider going back to Earth. It's like what? Like n- none of it really. Like, like like you said, Rachel. Like why didn't they take over Earth? Like if the Kree yeah. go and find another ha- world, they're just gonna be like like these people that they're willing to like bomb out planets for because they're like they represent a threat to their autocracy. Like well, I guess they're over there, so we'll leave them alone now. Like. No. Yeah, not to mention that the mystery did not seem very hard to take apart for like if they have this rebellious Cree on planet Earth, Marvel, right? Did they just assume that when she died because she was shot by Yan Rog, right? That she didn't leave anything behind? Yeah, there's no notes or anything. Don't Yeah, because it, like, it's not like it was hard for Fury and Captain Marvel to decipher the you know decipher the notes yeah. she just had to be able to read also Kree. like when they go up to the spaceship it's not like there's a special code that marvell left for her to unshield the thing she literally just taps her forearm a couple times and goes unshield yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so they couldn't like do a scan for a supreme intelligence like, that does not seem very smart. yeah so, so yeah, uh, i think uh, I will push back against this nitpick in that the key was inside of Marvel or not Marvel's uh, inside of Carol Danvers' memory. The vectors were a thing that she said to 
cap to uh to Carol Danvers. Oh, um, I thought she got the vectors from the notebook. No, no, she got the vectors from her, but like the supreme intelligence can tap into memories the same way that the scroll could. Like can we, they? I mean, we see all of her fucking memories oh. in the supreme intelligence thing. Yeah, so you're I right. just assumed that yes, because oh, I, she pushes I, I, her through the wall or whatever, and it's like, here's all your fucking memories, I guess. Oh, here's I, I, that I thought time that was your just dad her was flashing mean. back. But yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I will be. I will agree with you. All of this is nitpicky bullshit. But I just kind of feel like there isn't anything. This is a very hollow movie. There's not a lot else yeah. to deal with. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and I like, would point and, out that the fact that it's unclear, right? Like what was happening there is enough to be like, uh, even yeah. if it's nitpicky, it's confusing, and that's bad from a storytelling perspective, right? Like at what point? Like the thing that, that kind of got to me was like they're listening to this black box recording, right? Um, also, another joke that was terrible, like, waiting for them to unpack the fucking file. Um, uh, but, um, like, it's essentially, like, I couldn't tell, like, how much was the black box recording, how much was, like, her remembering it. And I, I, I don't know, it, it, it seemed like... Yeah, my big the, problem the part- with that, my big problem with that is that there's a part in this... Because, like, I was like, okay, so, like, the black box recording clearly triggered some of her memories because there's no way all this is on the black box. But then she goes unconscious, and it keeps going. Like, she sees... The explosion? Yeah. Like, like, she's unconscious. How is she remembering this? Oh, yeah. She's unconscious. Yeah, that doesn't make any... Yeah. The the thing that actually bothered me about that, which was super nitpicky, is that when they are are playing the file, you are watching the progress bar, and that file is clearly 30 seconds long, and then it goes into, like, a five-minute-long flashback or whatever, and I was like, is five minutes... Is that that file secretly five minutes long, but they, like, showed the wrong task bar or whatever? I don't know. That, like... That was just, like, another one of those small things that bothered me. But the point is is that, like, I feel like I have nothing, like, bigger or greater or stronger to grab onto, which is tough because in a lot of these other origin movies, right, the, the, so after the Phase 1 movie, there have been origin movies for Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, and Black Panther. And I feel like all of those had really strong kind of, like, thematic stuff that we could, like, grip into and talk about right like the ending of dr strange makes the movie because it is about his character and his character arc right where he needs to accept his humility and loo and the like the only way to win is by losing over and over again and for somebody as kind of like overconfident um and so obsessed with winning that Doctor Strange was in the beginning of the movie, like, like, that's why it's such a poignant kind of climax. But, like, there is none of that stuff here, right? There's just, like, nothing to kind of dig into. So that, that, that hollow feeling, it seems, just kind of permeates the whole discussion about it. Because, like, I can't, I can't even talk about, like, the sexism stuff or whatever because it was all so, like, it was all, like, minor inconveniences, Do you know what I mean? And it just wasn't core to any of the characters or any of the, you know, like, any of the themes or even, like, the plot. It's just kind of this background detail. Yeah, like, I feel like they could have leaned a lot harder into the fact that she, like, I feel like a lot of this movie would have been improved if it was less about her 
figuring out who she was and more about how she wants to be a hero. Mm. Because, like, there's a part in the plane or whatever that thing is where Nick Fury is like, oh, you guys are soldiers. And she's like, no, we're heroes. And there is clearly this sort of undercurrent about her being a hero and wanting to, like, save lives and fight and stuff. Uh, And... There's this thing where it's like she was denied that as a woman not being able to enter into combat in, oh, the, in the Air, Air Force. Force yeah. But they just kind of like mention that offhand and then don't really like lean into it. Yeah. Which sucks because I feel like that is kind of a good through line that could carry this movie where it's all about her trying to be the hero, you know? Yeah, and, like, I'm, you could have even, like, introduced some conflict there where, like, you know, the Kree are giving that to her, right? Like, she never faces any sort of, like, sort of discrimination from the Kree. But on Earth, like, you're still defending them even though they wouldn't let you fly combat or whatever, right? Like, you, you could do something like that, and they, they just don't, right? They yeah, just, like, like they, they very easily, I feel like, could have done that in the beginning part. This is part of what I mean when I say, like, they tried to give her a character arc about getting knocked down and not and getting back up again or whatever, but, like, she never gets knocked down because, like, if you look at that beginning part of the movie, if she had done something, like, reckless and stupid or, like, emotionally driven that kind of gets, like, told to us, right? Like, let's say they're, you know, they they get into the refugee thing and she blows their cover by going wild and crazy and chasing after somebody or something kind of along those kinds of lines. And then she gets captured for it. And then Jan Rog needs to bust open the scroll jail in order to break her out of it, right? Like, then you could kind of get it. Right. In the sense that, like, this is the deficiency. This is the lie that she is telling herself. Right. And that she is investing in that needs to be kind of like fixed. But as it stands, it's a little bit like Ray breaking herself out of prison by, you know, like force tricking the Jedi or by force tricking like the stormtroopers or whatever. Right. Like. And, and, I, and, like, that's not to make it, like, a sex thing or even, like, a Mary Sue thing. Like, I feel like it's impossible to have this kind of conversation on that level because it's just so, like, charged on, on however many ends. But just from a character perspective, she isn't allowed to fail. She breaks herself out of prison. She doesn't make any mistakes in the field, right? And so because there is no mistake, because there is no deficiency, because there is no flaw that is set up and established in the narrative early in the movie, her overcoming that quote-unquote flaw at the end of the movie by, you know, defeating the supreme intelligence and getting back on her feet or whatever, um, and, like, ridding herself of the limiter, all of that is empty and meaningless. Yeah. No, I I absolutely agree 100%. Like, the emotion thing, like... The movie is explicit that the like explicit very very early in the movie that the Kree are wrong about that right like that like mm. being emotional is a good thing which is uh, what like you know that's a fine message if you want to tell that story but they also like explicitly make it like you know fifteen minutes in when Nick Fury says oh that's what makes us human right like <laughs> yeah yeah I think uh, the more I think about it the more I feel like Nick Fury was kind of the secret to this. I feel like there needed to be some real tension about their relationship in that kind of like buddy cop, you know, sort of sort of way. And that if he was there to kind of fill in for some of these problems, uh, the movie could have gotten to the other side of hell. They could have even done it with him just being skeptical for longer. 
right? Yeah. Like him just being like, oh, yeah, sure, lady, you're a space alien. Or like, um, you know, like, you know, e- even if he gets assigned by Talos when he's Ben Mendelsohn, Nick Fury's boss, and it's like, listen, I want you to follow around this Kree as she does whatever she does, right? And you're going to be her partner, but then, you know, if she does anything too dangerous, kind of like waste her, and which would make sense, obviously. You know, Talos is trying to figure out the Pegasus stuff, and Captain Marvel is the key to that, right? And it's giving Nick Fury the orders to execute you know like to kill her or whatever and that's the kind of you know we're, we're doing like an undercover sort of tension movie where nick fury secretly has orders to you know fill her full of lead at the the earliest possible opportunity but like because that stuff all gets resolved really quickly and he immediately learns that ben mendelson is the scroll or whatever um you know the, the like the, there's none of that tension to come out in the in the direction of the story either yeah yeah i think i think you're right um i think we're about at the end of our hour i've got yeah. a last thought do either, either of you have last thoughts Go for it. what do you what's your what's your last thought um uh, so there was a moment early in the movie where, like, it like kind of zoomed in on her face, and for whatever reason, like, I just saw like Amy Poehler in her place. And what I really want now is Leslie Nope as Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds amazing. That would, I would be. I would absolutely watch that movie. One hundred percent, a watchable movie. <laughs> and like, and I guess Nick Fury can be Ron Swan, or you know, you could put Ron Swanson in. You could just do it that way. <laughs> I actually think Nick Offerman would make a very good Nick Fury. Oh, he would make like, a, yeah, a you're right. He would make a good Nick like Fury. white, yeah, classic Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Man, no, no, I actually really want Nick Offerman to play like alternate universe Nick Fury at some point. I'm just point, imagining like awesome. the train car chase with Nick Offerman, and he's like, "I am not going over the speed limit." <laughs> when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. just polished this car. I, I am I am loath to you know like part of part of what complicates this whole thing. I feel like is all of the other stuff that we didn't even talk about that surrounds this movie, like review bombing or they're not reviews. It's just people don't want to see the movie. She has these kind like completely outside of all of that stuff. Um, you know, I think this movie is disappointing and doesn't do core character things that it needs to, and that that like collapses the whole thing. Though I, I have to say, I I feel very um, uh, I feel very hopeful. I guess I should say for this character in an Avengers context. Um, like this, you know, like this movie itself didn't work for me but i feel like carol danvers without the necessity to carry an arc right and just kind of being one of the team i think will probably work out pretty okay and that like when we see her chilling with captain you know like steve rogers or whatever else and all these other sorts of things um in avengers endgame in two months it that stuff will go good so i'm not I, I, i'm not you know swearing off the captain marvel character forever i just think that this movie didn't quite hit its mark yep uh, I, I think i can agree with that i think at the end of the day even though that this film had kind of a hollow plot and no character art 
effects and the editing was kind of terrible yeah, in oh, yeah, places. Yeah, we didn't talk about any of the editing in Cinematography editing I thought was, was garbage. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was like more the editing or more the, or like they just didn't have coverage or something in the cinematography. The fight cinematography was terrible, um, and a lot of there's just a lot of nitpicky shit to this movie. At the end of the day, I am glad that I gave this movie my money so that hopefully the the studio execs will be like movies starring women do make money and then they give us an actual good movie starring a woman Oof, that like would She-Hulk? be cool yeah She-Hulk would be the best <laughs> yeah I don't know so go go see what what what's this this is the weirdest cultural rallying point it's like go see Alita instead of Captain Marvel I, I oh I did hear about that yeah which what? I was a little like what no I don't understand. I, don't I mean, I like, wanna, I like. I don't want to see. I don't want to see teenage girl titties growing over Captain Marvel. I'm sorry, <laughs> Alita was so uncomfortable. Can you feel me now? Like, what <laughs> the fuck was that movie doing? Like, are you feeling it, Mr. Krabs? Are you? <laughs> are you? <laughs> Can you feel it now, Mr. Krabs? You like Krabby oh, Patties, don't, don't you, Squidward? Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> you like Well, now that we've devolved into SpongeBob anyway. shitposting, how how was how was your week? How Rachel, how how was your yeah. past uh, three years? Yeah, how was your past three years, Rachel? Tell us all about it. Pretty good. Uh, today is actually a great day for me to come on to the cast because I tried VR for the first time today. Ooh, what you did? Yeah, because I went to. I was getting oh God, the car fixed. No, oh, I was man. in the other mall, but I was yeah, I was getting the car fixed, and so I was bored, and I walked down to this mall, and they had a VR arcade. Which uh, which device do you like? Was there a specific set of devices? I have no idea. It the VR place was called like Servios or something, and that was they didn't have any like information really on what their equipment was, and I didn't get a chance to look it up uh, since then. But yeah, they uh, had that's, a sign that's, that was uh, like, that's a, a Vive. I'm looking at it now. A Vive. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, and they had a sign that was like, try it free. And I was like, I love free things. And so I went in and I played Beat Saber. Beat Saber's um, amazing. And it was oh my so God. cool. It was really cool, too, because they had the KDA song, the League of Legends KDA oh, really? song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it just felt dope. It, just, yeah. it was just nope. really cool. Um, the one thing that was really crazy to me, though, was that, you know, I'm in a mall or whatever, and... This mom had, like, a bunch of kids there, and she was clearly just, like, paying for an hour and dropping her kids off so she could go shopping in the mall. Mm. And it was just kind of, like, wild to me to think about, because, like, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would give me spare change to go play in the arcade so she wouldn't have to bother with me, you know? And the fact that, like, virtual reality is, like, these kids are just, like, growing up, like, that's just, like the thing that your mom gives you to do to keep you busy in the mall was just kind of, like, wild Yeah, that me. is, like, boy. You know, the people say that, uh, you know how when it, we just passed Blade Runner, which was said in, like, 2017 or something like that, um, and we also passed uh, the Back to the Future future with, like, hoverboards and stuff like that, 
But, like, there are some times when I have moments where I'm just like, oh, my God, we're living in the future. Yeah, like, that was definitely one of those moments today was standing in this VR arcade while, like, these four little kids were like, my turn, my turn to play on the virtual reality headset. Like, um, and it was really cool. It was weirdly, I felt weirdly vulnerable in the first, like, ten seconds because you put it on and it's like, Yes, sir. Please put a blindfold on me because that's yeah. what it feels like. I was like, I like it because it covers your whole head and your ears are muffled and stuff. And I was like, I just have no sense of the outside world and it's really disorienting. And so it was really weird. But then I started playing Beat Saber and I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> have Have you um? Uh, so the, the great thing about it, and I'm sure they can't do this in the in the arcade, is that you can download custom songs you just play anything oh, really like, yeah um like you basically reminded me i'm looking at it now and they some mappers just released a pack of like classic dance dance revolution songs in beat saber amazing oh my god yeah uh, and it auto but it like auto generates the it does not auto generate it there is okay um, so you like have to pro- do yeah, it guitar hero cool. had something like that where like you could if you wanted to you could like put a song up and you could assign the notes to the beats or whatever. This arcade was actually pretty cool too. And I think maybe we should go back with people because they do like on the weekends, like this after hours thing where like from nine to midnight, you can bring booze in. Oh boy. And like have adult parties (laughs) in VR arcade, which just sounds like a fun time for everyone involved. Just playing beat saber while all of your friends are fucking blasted. Yeah. I did feel very like I must look like such a such a dweeb from the outside because you feel so cool when yeah. you're in there with oh, like yeah. lasers no. <laughs> and like I, and like there was this moment I had where I just like pictured myself from the outside with this headset on just being like flailing around like an idiot. So you, you ab- like I can, I can tell you you absolutely look like an idiot, but you just <laughs> ignore the haters and and go for it. Cause- <laughs> Um, although I, I will say that, like, uh, um, a little while ago, maybe, like, a, a week ago at this point, I tried a different game, which is Dead and Buried, which is just kind of, like, a standard kind of, like, position shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's PvP. And so, like, part of it is you move around the environment um, a little bit and, like, like hide behind, like, columns or whatever. Um, and I just, like, slammed into my wall, like, three or four <laughs> times. I was so afraid of doing that because Beat Saber has, like, the obstacles that come at you. Yeah. And I kept, like, going a step out of the way and I was like, but I don't know where the walls are. <laughs> like, what if I just plow into everything? I've, I've heard that that is a big problem when it comes to VR. Um, One of the nice things at this place I was at was they had a very specific thick rug under you so if you got too close to the wall you would step off the rug and so you could kind of feel when you were out of the zone which i appreciated i know that oculus particularly has um it it has a setting that you can turn on that when you get near the edge it'll like flash the grid and be like you're getting towards the edge um and beat saber in particular is actually really good about um like as long like you you will not go too far aside to dodge obstacles yeah. Um, it's like like the the game Dead or Dead and Buried is like an an open worldish game. It's one of those things where like you forget that you're in a video game and you can't just walk wherever the fuck you want to, right? Yeah. Um, mm. You have to use your like little control stick to move around, and uh, uh, that's the, that's I think the next big thing. Um, there was a uh, 
what was it like there there's a company um in the bay i think making a, a an omni treadmill um so you can just like walk wherever you want and that like you know you you can see like the end That'll of really, like yeah that will yeah. really sell it i think but i think that's the biggest shortcoming of vr right now in a lot of ways mm-hmm. well so and another piece of this is this idea of kind of um like you know we've been talking about <laughs> verisimilitude a lot but like the the verisimilitude of a controller and like what that means because one of the things that um like one of the things that video games have going for them is that they are kind of standard you know like old old video games is that they are kind of like standardly disaffected right you learn to turn a camera with a joystick so it also is like it's kind of the same classification of controls that when you are moving around with a joystick that is just as natural you are just as kind of like disconnected from like the action of the real thing and one of the weird things about vr is like okay when i turn my head i am now turning my head and i'm changing the position of the camera when i move my hands around i am now moving my hands around right but if i need to walk forward i press a button right and so like the there's a disconnect between okay here are two things that are verisimilitudinous right where my camera is literally my eye line right and my the movement of my hands is literally the movement of my hands and here is something that is not verisimilitudinous um which is the uh uh which is the walking around with like with like a a numpad or whatever and it's not quite so black and white as that Uh, for instance it was very astutely pointed out when like this is a conversation from like two or three years ago but when this was all pointed out uh, a video gaming professor named Ian Bogust um, he pointed out that we have actually had verisimilitude in video game controllers for a long time because a trigger on like a right trigger being used to fire a gun is essentially verisimilitude and it's to pulling a trigger to firing a gun right um, even though it doesn't include things like kickback and stuff like that. So it is very much like a spectrum and where you sort of fall on that spectrum. But I have definitely felt, uh, at least in some of the earlier models, I haven't tried anything in, you know, the 2019 era. Um, I have definitely felt that kind of like, it is weird to control some of your things on one level and some of your things on another. I definitely feel that. One of the weirdest parts of trying VR today was there was a point where I was in, like, the main menu screen before the guy had, like, done the demo or had, like, brought the demo up of Beat Saber. And I looked down at, like, where my hands were, and in their, like, menu screen, it showed, like, a sort of, like, 3D-modeled hands and the holding the, uh, like, a 3D model of the actual controllers that you use. And then it switched over to Beat Saber because he loaded up the thing, and I watched them turn into the, like, Beat Saber sticks, and there was something so weird about that moment where I could feel and kind of see these controllers, and then they were no longer that. And it was just very sort of, not quite disorienting, but strange it was very strange yeah um it's it it goes and does different things right like um like games where you're like you're in a cockpit feel a lot better because you don't need to see as much of that right like you can sit down and turn your head and see around your cockpit and just like use your hands to manipulate a controller and it feels pretty good um uh that thing you're talking about like 
the amount of kind of like psychosomatic stuff that you can feel in there um, is like like if somebody gets like if if a character model gets close to like close to you, I have definitely felt like 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 a warmth from another body, um, like for for like an arm that's close to my face or something, right? Like an arm yeah. that's close, even though that's definitely not there. Like I've definitely oh yeah yeah like like psychosomatically perceived it. Yeah, it, it plays was... weird, weird tricks with your head. The trial the trial that I did, they were like, you can do Beat Saber or you could do Cree the boxing game, and I was like, I don't think I can handle like, my <laughs> first time like having like a character punch me in the face. I don't know what that's gonna be like. Yeah. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> like, it's a little too weird right off the bat. Uh, yeah. I, so, I, I def- uh, go on, sorry. So, to change the subject a little bit, because I am curious, have you gotten a chance to play Devil May Cry, or are you still loading it in? Uh, so, uh, I played for, like, right before we got here, I played for maybe, like, half an hour. I played the prologue in the first mission, um, and... That, like, I haven't, like, gotten into, like, I just was able to buy my first set of upgrades, so I was still dealing with the basic stuff, and I'm no Devil May Cry expert by any means, but, um, that game is super stylish. It is so cheesy, but I love it. Um, you know, just, like, watching, you know, like, doing a little bit of sword work is fun, just, like, watching the opening cutscene, which is really pretty, watching, like, um, you know, everything be all melodramatic, like, the game opens, and... Nero, Dante is fighting a demon, and you're playing as Nero, and Nero walks in, um, and you, you lose to the first boss, um, spoilers, uh, but, uh, lose to the first boss, and then Dante's like, uh, what does Dante say? Dante says, uh, you need to go, you're dead weight, and Nero's like, he called me dead weight, I need to go back in there, and then, like, the, like, the edgy character who's called V, who is just so, like, 90s emo edgy, has to pull him away. <laughs> It's, it's, it is so it is it is just like you can't take it seriously but it's perfect for what it is you know I, I've, I've shared the uh, you know fill your dark soul with light clip it is just that all the way through I'm very much looking forward to playing more of it um, and uh, from everything I've seen it's it's, it's gotten in good reviews so I, I trust that it will uh, basically be another Devil May Cry game um, and I'm, I'm very excited uh, to keep playing it Fair enough. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I've been playing Destiny because the oh, so the new, Gamb- did the new content drop? The new content dropped. Uh, Gambit Prime is like so. The loop is is you play Gambit Prime and it gives you tokens, and then you spend those tokens in this PVE activity called the Reckoning, um, and you go and you get gear off of that. Um, it's a fun loop. The other stuff still exists, so that's still a fun loop. Um, the only kind of problem I have with it is that, like, um, uh, first of all, this is a bug, um, or they bunch of us didn't find it as a bug, but uh, the gear, like, they increase the light level by 50, and the, the gear is just increasing relatively slowly. Like, usually when you get a piece of new gear, um, it'll be, like, f- five levels above what you have. If you, uh-huh. like, you, 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 there's, it's complicated, but essentially there are times when you get gear that, that upgrades your level, and it's usually, like, five or six I was getting, like, one or two, um, and then just, like, an RNG problem, I was getting, like, a couple of things in the same, like, I got, like, two pairs of boots, right, um, and so I can't upgrade, you know, like, my, my overall light level is, which is your item level, is dependent on all six, I think, of your slots, maybe it's seven, 
Um, but, you know, if I get two boots, I can only upgrade one slot. I can only put one pair of boots on. Um, and so, like, I put it, like, you know, I, I'm just not getting growth as much as I'd like. It's just, you know, a bad, or not a bad, but, like, unlucky rolls, which is, like, a yeah. thing that I, you know, will mitigate okay. itself with time. Yeah. Getting crushed by that RNG. Yeah. Sad I'm sure times. you guys can relate. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the middle of that loop with uh, with Anthem because I'm at the point where I'm level 30 and I have a couple of pieces of masterwork and um, and it's one of those things where your first couple of masterwork pieces because they're all ten le- like eye levels higher and they all all of the masterwork items are kind of like well so uh, so in Destiny do, do legendary you you can have any number of legendaries but only one exotic right. Yes. Okay. Do legendaries affect your, like, abilities in your character? Um, or are they just, like, really good stats? Um, they're... So they are good stats, but they have... So they don't affect your abilities directly. Like, the armor pieces just kind of have, like, statty stuff on them. But the guns can roll with different affixes, which makes them behave differently. Like Okay, yeah, yeah, um, okay. Like, um, like, the outlaw affix is if you kill something with a precision shot, you get fast reloads for, like, a couple seconds. So, uh, in Anthem, the there are masterworks and legendaries, right? Um, all masterworks carry a, 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 a trait with them that just changes your gameplay. So, like, you know, the the... The assault rifle elemental rage says whenever you shoot an elite enemy with this gun, you increase your elemental damage by five percent, stacking to twenty. Right. So you take a you take your gun, you shoot a dude twenty times with it, you get twenty stacks, and you start using all of your powers. And then when your stacks are about to run out, you refresh them by you know popping off a couple of rounds here and there or whatever. Right. Um, and it feels so good to start, like, rolling in, like, masterworks and start, like, picking them up. But all of the masterworks also have affixes that change how they behave. Or, like, it'll give your gear plus 25% damage or reload or it'll add charges to things with charges or whatever. Um, and and I very much feel that thing where it's, like, when I was first getting masterworks, it felt so cool and awesome because everything was upgradable. But, like, now I've gotten to the point where I have three of my component slots and all of my weapons and abilities are already masterworks. And so every individual masterwork I get isn't necessarily, like, an upgrade, but it's a side grade and it requires a little bit of, like, thought, which isn't a bad thing. But it is just, like, it's one of those things where it kind of... Um, it's the game has switched from no longer being just like oh it has higher numbers put it on sort of thing to kind of like well what combination of these abilities do i bring into the fight that are most synergistic yeah no i i definitely feel i i get that a lot with destiny um i think it does a decent job of stretching out the um just kind of keep on putting on the nicest piece of gear you have um until uh until you hit like max light level um something that i think that they did with forsaken was is they made it harder to upgrade individual pieces um and so it encourages you to kind of try out new stuff and i found i found that to be super entertaining like i ended up using a bunch of guns that i normally wouldn't um um but uh it's also one of those things so this this is a problem i kind of have with this like whenever i play diablo right i end up playing with whatever i find but a few times I want to, like, say, go for a specific build. Um, but sometimes it's hard to just, like, find the gear you need for that, especially when it's completely random. 
um, like, uh, in Diablo, when you kill, like, the final boss, you get, like, three legendaries, if you're lucky, two or three legendaries, and, like, they're whatever they are, right? Like, you have no idea. Um, whereas with, uh, like, with uh, Destiny, I... You know, I haven't unlocked all the exotics, but as I unlock them, right, it's like I always have it. There are a bunch of activities where um, light level doesn't matter. Like if I'm doing PvP, it kind of gets rid of the item levels so I can use like an underleveled item and it's not a big deal. Um, and then like when I hit the end game, I can upgrade the pieces that I think that are important and play with them. So I think that that's a good balance there. Um, and like I said, I haven't run out of fun with it yet, so it's, it's, it's a good time. Yeah, I, Anthem seems to be on the other end of that, where it's very easy to run the build that you want to run. It seems, um, in the like, in the sense that you know you are, um, you like crafting is the thing, and you can kind of craft whatever items you need to, like you need to craft for your build. Uh, and the and the drops are plentiful enough that you can just kind of like run around. But the thing is, is that like at a certain point you do become you like you do start farming for affixes like i have a build that i like right now and it's all masterwork and everything like that but like the upgrades to that build will come from can i get affixes that are stronger Mm -hmm. um rather than you know like rather than anything else the other thing is that sometimes like i find that all of my builds have intrinsic weaknesses um so like i have a good time at close range against you know these kinds of enemies but like long range shielded enemies are tough or i have a tough time with you know enemy storms or i have a tough time with the the brutes from the dominion or whatever so it seems i I have yet to find a kind of you like omni omnivore build that is like good at dealing with everything um and maybe that's you know like maybe that is a, a a part of the point right that like i shouldn't have a build that could just like easily deal with every kind of problem that the game can throw at me or whatever um but there is that sort of like there's always that like longing for ah god i need now i need something to deal with close range shielded enemies i don't have a really good answer for that or whatever it is um how how do you feel about this kind of uh set of like uh the level one rifle is the best weapon in the game damage wise uh, so as far as I know that that is a bug, I haven't oh, engaged. Yeah, I haven't engaged with that. Um, and part of and part of it being the bug is it is just that level one rifle. Um, oh really? It's, yeah, it's not any of the other level one items. Uh, I, I the sourcing on this is just like ridiculous. Um, I have seen people prove the level one rifle on Reddit, but then I've seen people in the comments go, "It is just a problem with the defender. It's not a problem with the cloud burst, which is the auto the level one auto cannon or whatever." Um. The other thing is that, like, a lot of times I'm bringing guns a little bit more as a stat stick, in a way, um, where, or, like, I'm bringing guns because of its master, like, so, for instance, there's a marksman rifle that's actually very good, um, that, uh, that's called, like, some, it's like Yivra's Thunderbolt or something like that, and it has a 33% chance to proc a lightning bolt that shoots, that, like, hits the enemy or whatever, and it's a really easy way to clip through shields, um, if you don't have lightning damage on your like as on, on any of your abilities or whatever, so like sh- maybe the level one defender is better than a max level defender or whatever. But I don't. I, I'm carrying my weapons for their masterwork. I'm not really carrying them for their shots to kill. If that makes sure. sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's also like it's just that one rifle. So if you like using any other kind of 
gun, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. Like. <clears throat> I feel like, uh, you know, like, this is something, I I, got, I feel two ways about this. Like, there's a certain part of me that just, like, a defensive stand of Anthem that's like, oh, well, you know, that that doesn't really apply if you even play the game or whatever. But then there's the other part of me that's like, yeah, this is like this is sort of endemic of all of these low-level technical problems that the game launched with and should be fixing or should have been fixed by the time that the game launched. So I'm a little of, like, two sides about it. I remember this exact same thing happened in World of Warcraft with, like, you know, with the scaling, and they had to and they had to fix it there, yeah, too. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling towards it, is, like, everybody gets so on Anthem's case for <clears throat> these little problems or whatever, but, like, the amount that WoW imploded when they fit when they changed the level scaling like there was like one mob pandaria that could one shot anyone yeah for a minute like like if i can continue to play wow after that bullshit that that happened then like i don't really care if anthem yeah. needs to do some bug fixes. And, 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 and at the end of the day i feel like having all content be scalable right like my level 30 Lance or freelancer being able to group up with someone else's freelancer and for us both to have a good time um i kind of think that that is a positive that generally speaking outweighs the negative like the technical problem is the real like if you if you want to group this among a bunch of other small scale technical stuff that is like dragging the game down i think that that makes a lot of sense um but uh but i am i am i don't know I'm skeptical of the Anthem hate train because uh, sometimes I do think that it gets going a little bit, uh, a little bit too hard. Uh, so I, I think kind of the, the the big problem is is um, I, I've said this before, but I think the game will probably be excellent in six months to a year, assuming that yeah. EA doesn't kill it first. But I think the frustration is that this is a this is EA. They've had the chance to learn from from destiny they've had the chance to learn from wow um and that these are things that they should have known and like every like every game of this type keeps making the same mistakes and they need to stop doing that because we've done this you know half a dozen times already right like people were mad at destiny for destiny 2 for a long time for essentially repeating the mistakes of destiny 1 um and it didn't really get good until forsaken dropped in august which is a year after its launch um and I think it got a lot of hate at the time for being bad, and I think it deserved it. And I think that um, this will probably fade if Anthem gets good, and it will have deserved it in the interim. Um, I just think that, you know, these giant companies that are, like, charging us, you know, uh, hundreds of dollars for, like, the full game experience should be giving us a finished product. Um, yeah, I mean, th so that's a piece that I have a very complicated relationship with. Because, like what is to say finished or unfinished and it's also one of those things where it's kind of like so for instance um my name is bife who is the yeah. the anthem the, uh, the destiny, the destiny lore, lore guy put out a 50 minute long video on anthem where he basically compared anthem from a story perspective to mass effect one from a story perspective and kind of came away like oh well this game is worse than mass effect one but like i couldn't help but think that that was just like really that's like comparing the pilot for breaking bad to like star wars or whatever you know like to some like movie um which is to say that i don't think that the story works in the exact same way that the story works in 
any of these other bio like single player like bioware games and i feel like it is so so different uh storytelling medium such that is like kind of like not the point like the point of the monitor is to be like an intro level bad guy that isn't all that important and the point of the story is to set up the surrounding cast of characters which i think the game does really well right and so which puts me in this kind of position of like yeah i want to see what the future adventures of you know whoever matthias and sentinel brin and yarrow and fey and halleck are and i think that that success is outsized compared to the monitor being bland or whatever because like i don't know like it's kind of not the point and so there are certain aspects of it where it's like well if i watch the first episode of a tv show and i say that you know oh that's an un you know like that's an unfinished show or whatever well yeah there are seven other episodes in true detective season three you fuck <laughs> obviously it's unfinished there's more to come or whatever um but like when it when it comes to anthem it's it's a little bit like I, I i have a hard time sort of parsing out where the unfinished game line gets drawn i think the strongest case is on a technical level right there are plenty of stupid technical problems that i, I, think I also that think I've... on a content level like you, you, you know you can tell me better than any than than others but like wow launched with more end game content than this does destiny didn't have a ton of end game content and that was also bad right like like I said, this is a thing that we keep learning, like that we have to keep telling these companies over and over is you should launch with more endgame content. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think this is part of a larger trend that's a problem where with these live services game, which is essentially you um, you launch them in a state with without a ton of uh, like end world content, and you just kind of fill it in as time goes on and you expect people to be okay with that which i guess has worked so far so whatever yeah I, it but. reminds me it reminds me a little bit of the debate in comics about delays in release schedules um in comic books there are commonly delays of like big event titles you know like civil war was delayed for two or three months uh secret invasion i actually think secret invasion may have come out without a delay infinite crisis got a delay and it's one of those things where comic book fans will complain about the delay including me by the way will complain about the delay but in the long run people don't really remember or care about the delay like at the end of the day civil war came out and even if it was delayed by two or three months it was you know it made it to uh it like made it to release and we all remember what like the full story of the trade paperback of civil war is now um and i kind of feel like that's what ends up happening with games like this they launch with they either launch with so many problems and bugs that they just immediately get blown out right and destroyed like fallout 76 like fallout 76 uh mass effect andromeda which i would and continue to argue was unfair right like i think if most people gave that game a chance they would have thought it was like good but right like to you either get blown out of the water immediately or that stuff just kind of like fades with time um gamers hold on to it a little bit more i mean i still remember there's that weird arrow do you remember the the, the weird error that came out with diablo 3 where oh, everybody yeah, kept yeah, getting yeah. you know what i mean but like at the end of the day people are still playing diablo nobody's like not playing diablo because of that error seven years ago you know you play diablo because of what it is in its kind of current state and so my hope is that anthem sort of weathers this you know uh weathers this 
storm and gets back to um and kind of like gets into a point where people come back to the game and they go yeah you know it launched and it was kind of buggy and shit but now it's you know now it's good and strong so, so there's this like legendary quote from uh i believe it's shigeru miyamoto oh yeah yeah like a, a, a like a, a late game is late once a bad game is bad forever um and like that's not true anymore because of post-launch patches yeah um like you know uh no man's sky is apparently a great game now i know um, right yeah like that is absolutely uh um, you know like that's a piece of it and I think, um, you know, I, I, the, the, the onus is a lot of the time on the developer themselves, right? Like, EA saw the reaction to Mass Effect Andromeda and axed it immediately, like two weeks, right? Um, whereas, you know, for the guys at No Man's Sky or Blizzard on WoW or whatever, right? Like, they they kind of buckled down and uh, and kept on carrying on, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I... I absolutely yeah that's just the way i don't know i i just i wish it wasn't like this right like part of me wants to say no we have to we have to kind of hold these devs feet to the fire because if we don't do it um nobody uh uh nobody uh nobody will i'm sorry about that rachel i did not realize that you were uh you were gone um uh but uh yeah um i i just wish that it was uh it was different um i wish i wish it wasn't that way i wish we got more comp- like i wish ea had given bioware more time to launch the game in a better state yeah if that makes sense yeah i mean i also think part of it that is tough is uh, and I, I, I like the content thing i don't think i agree with at the end of the day um, I think as long as the loops are there, I am okay with kind of light content because I just think it's impossible to fill out a full sort of uh, like the the breadth of content that people are asking for when when we talk about some of these like looter shooters um, and like that's just like a really tough one like that's a really tough one. I just. If you say that the bar for release is there has to be, like, good content to do or whatever, you're placing that bar so high that no one could ever, met, like, meet it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I kind of feel like games have just gotten so big at this point that, like, people don't really know what they're asking for in this, like, yeah. the height of the bar. Because it's like, the world needs to be 12 times the size of Skyrim, and there needs to be at least 100,000 hours of story, or else it's yeah. not so a finished I, game. So I'm sort of willing to extend, uh, like, I guess I'll call it patience um, with, a, with a game surrounding content, because, like, it's not easy just to like whip that stuff up. And so releasing the game in a state where it is kind of, you know, like where there is stuff to do, but it's just not a ton of stuff. I feel like we just have to sort of, if we want to say that games that come out now should be able to compete with games that came out five years ago, right? If we want to say that every new MMO should be able to come out and compete with World of Warcraft on like a content level or whatever, we have to sort of forgive its lack of end game content because so much of it i I see your point but i would also say that like expecting a game to compete with vanilla wow at launch 
is like you know compete with what that game was is not unreasonable and like i will grant you that there are some people who want the sky but i also think that like launching with three dungeons is probably not the right it's probably on on the too low end of the scale as well i mean the thing too that you have to take into consideration is that like vanilla wow was kind of garbage i know everybody looks back on like these early games with these rose-colored glasses because like 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 for context i have been playing mmos since z muds in the early 90s i was in the text-based adventures okay that shit sucked, okay? Yeah, there was so much content, but it was also a text-based adventure. It's not that hard to, you know, type in, get ye flask, and pick up, oh, you are now holding a flask. Like, <laughs> like I yeah, think but, uh, there's a little more demand here. No, and, but, like, so, Vanilla I, uh, so, wow, but, but, like, and, like, you know, EverQuest, <laughs> I don't think anybody recognizes how much of that content was just grind. But so I think I think the big mistake with people saying about the three strongholds is assuming that the three strongholds are the only thing to do, right? Like the repeatable loop of that game isn't the three strongholds. That is that is a part of it, right? But there are also the contracts that come out, and there's also all of the world's quest stuff in free play, right? And I think that there are some problems with all of this, definitely. Right, and I'm more than willing to kind of grant that, but I just don't think that the content problem in Anthem is nearly as bad as people like three dungeons has kind of become a a misnomer in a way uh, for a, a game and a world that is otherwise pretty large and pretty expansive and has a lot for you to do in it, right? But like we're focusing in on the part of it that is the least. So, so I, I'm going to say that like with destiny, cause we had similar problems there, like destiny launched with, I think like five strikes and all this other open world stuff. And um, like a raid within a week of launch. And I still think that that was not enough content for what it wanted the end game to be. I think there were some systematic problems there too, that got fixed by with, with forsaken. I'm, fairly certain that there are some systematic problems with anthem that will be fixed with time that is contributing to this but at like if it just feels like it's part of the pattern where these games don't launch with enough of an end game to, to fulfill the people that keep your game alive which is alive rather which is the the people that that like just want to kind of bang on this thing for a bunch of hours um and uh like wow expansions like you know, if you discount the rest of WoW, WoW expansions, I feel like launch with more endgame content than any of these looter shooters do. Yeah, but I and feel like people not st- really though because it's patch cycles, and people still come at WoW with this exact same criticism. Yeah, where they say that like the like okay, so for instance, sure, but like Legion, just because like it gets you, misapplied in one situation doesn't mean it's like in, universally invalid. I mean, I right? guess I guess I will say I will uh, I will agree with you that there is some line somewhere right there that is too little content to release with. But I don't think that Anthem is that line. I don't even really think that Destiny Two was that when Destiny Two release was that line. I think that there is a certain amount of criticism that is just like it released with this content and it like that plus the core gameplay loop wasn't enough to keep me involved. Like I could maybe buy 
an itemization sort of like attack which is that like okay listen if you're going to put your very best item drop rate chances in strongholds or i'm sorry in dungeons right and only launch with three of them i don't care how many fucking world quests you roll for me right the only thing that's worth doing is strongholds and there are only three of them to do like maybe i would understand it from sort of like that perspective but there is a lot to do in anthem right and so that to me is an argument not that we need to wait until the, there's more content but that the, the content that is in the game needs to be equalized do you see what i'm saying like that, yeah i mean that, that's a, i, I that's guess it's just the same I, I guess it's just a reconfiguration of the argument right like and i i, I won't bother to push it because we're already at time i just <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're, i think we're arguing semantics at this point which is whatever um but you know we'll see We'll see how it goes. I just hope, I hope EA doesn't kill Anthem. That before. is the yeah. That is the big danger. I feel like is EA gets everybody cold feet gets and just... so fucking their panties in such a twist that EA is like, never mind. We're just not going to continue this game and yeah. make it better. I mean, it, it, it's a matter of if it has the player base, right? Like, it has to be able to compete in the compete in like the games marketplace. If people are playing Destiny instead of Anthem. And Anthem doesn't have the player base. EA is not going to continue funding it, and that. Yeah, I mean, but I think I think that is almost sort of, uh, uh, you know, in a way, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like a lot of these games, I feel like can pick up players over time. Um, that's what happened with sure. Diablo. With oh no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. that that's the right thing for I mean, EA to like do. Destiny I just think that's the thing that's going, that might happen. Yeah. That you know. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> Anyways, yep. I guess that's the cast. Yep. If you'd like to email us, or, or, or you guys, do you guys have anything else you want to add before I? Wrap I have it nothing up? else I want to add. I want to thank my special guest for showing up to the desk that is five feet across <laughs> the hall. Yeah, I'm actually here desk. for every, pretty much every podcast. I'm just quietly assembling IKEA furniture in the background. That's fair. If you ever hear a slight like clink, that's me probably putting a new one of Buddy's chairs <laughs> together or something. Um, that's a lot of Ikea furniture if it's yeah. taking you three I, years I, to well, assemble put, it all. Like, like, <laughs> I, it's just weird that like every time I need to assemble something, it happens to coincide when Buddy is podcasting. Like I assembled the desk that he podcasts from while he was doing the podcast. I assembled the chair that he podcasts from while he was recording the podcast. Um, I do want to mention that I guess I... I went to film school, and that's why I'm on. Like I, I work in the film industry, and that's I'm not just on the cast. More expertise than I'm not on this cast because just because I'm Buddy's wife. Like I actually am on the cast for reasons. I mean, we we have had much less qualified people on this cast. (laughs) Yeah, Um, like the two of us, right? I'm not Mark. Okay, I'm a person who knows things. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't get mad, Mark. The best part is that he will never hear that burn because no one listens to our cast. Uh, (laughs) Um. Yeah, you know we we've got a weirdly high density of of film industry guests. Right, like yeah. Rachel, Warren, Greg, my brother, like all people who are like tangentially <laughs> related, 
And, you know, we're just like two doofuses. Um, so, you know, <laughs> if you'd like to email us and tell us how much we're doofuses or what you thought of Captain Marvel or any of the other things you talked about, we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at podcast at somedervisplaygames.com or somedervisplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash somedervisplaygames. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Leave a comment. Send us an email. Whatever. We love it. That's it. Buddy, do you have anything else we're looking to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. Rachel, do you want to promote anything? No, I don't think so. You want us to watch anything that you worked on or anything? Uh, I, the last thing I worked on was a series. I was the art director on a series of Polly Pocket commercials. Yeah. So hey. if you want to look up Polly Pocket baseball blooper on YouTube, you can see some of my work. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a link in the description. Okay. Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs>